today, brother? Oh, it's going great, man. How are you doing? Doing well, enjoying this pretty weather. It's beautiful. Yes, yes. We've just now got things going, <laughs> and we're going to kick things off with a little bit of jovial How, laughter. How's the weather? Yeah. How's the weather? Oh, we, the weather's we great. we deep about this podcast, man. Oh, we've given it so much thought. <laughs> yeah, you hollered at me, oh, what was it? Was it Monday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's and, do a podcast. And here we are four days later. I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's this be fun. Let's do a podcast. So we're here to have some fun. It's going to be great, man. Yeah. And you just got back on social media, too. You I just, did. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, how, I'm long, on. how long ago did you step away from it? Mm, probably about a year ago, I guess. What'd you do that for? Why would you ever do such Why a thing? Why would I step away from social media? <laughs> yeah. Why would I ever get back on? That's the, that's the real question. That's the real question. <laughs> Well, it's like we were talking about before we hit record on this. It's Social media is a cesspool. There is so much going on. There is so much contention that's out there. But like you were saying, though, it's a tool that can be used for good. Yeah, it can. It can, And that, that's one thing I've always tried. I'm not a fan of social media. I'm just not. It never have been. And But what I've realized is I've seen other people use it for good. I know it can be used for good. A lot of it's just lack of discipline on my part and trying to learn self-control in using it for for the greater good and make sure it doesn't have an adverse effect yeah and that 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 can be really hard to do especially if you're anything like me and i think you and i we're we're a lot alike in a lot of ways we're different a lot of ways but we're alike in a lot of ways. you're better looking for sure though well maybe a little you know the lord blessed me with solid genes man (laughs) got that good genetic profile in any case though with with social media you can get on there and whenever you you know get someone mouthing off or popping something off oh wait now and then you get there at the keyboard and then before you know it it's midnight and your wife's like are you coming to bed and you're like no someone's wrong on the internet i need to correct them well and that that's really by the way probably need to say who each of us are oh yeah is i think a lot of people (laughs) listening at this juncture probably know one or both of us but yeah we should go ahead and get into that people need to to recognize our voices Lee has the the. I'm not Lee. Lee Lee has the smooth, silky voice. Yeah, I'm a lot of things. <laughs> My voice is probably the only smooth thing, though. And I have the Alabama kind of the Kevin Pendergrass, kind of the, the Alabama wild man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've, I've got the the hick accent here, the Alabama accent. People ask me all the time. They're like, well, "Where are you from?" I said, "Well, I'm." I'm live in Oklahoma and they're like well, where are you originally from and I said well where, where do you think I'm from like, well, I don't know it's it's not from here though so I said, okay I'm, I'm originally from Alabama but I don't think I have that much of an accent well it's it's not as strong as other folks from Alabama that I've known yeah and you should hear my mom's accent it's got that deep <laughs> deep drawl it's that one as soon as you hear it you just envision an apple pie cooling on the windowsill absolutely that deep southern accent well for me i have a bit of redneck in myself and it will come out whenever i really get going it it happens more often than not you will hear it it will happen you uh you're really good at pronouncing your words enunciation yes well it's very important because when people don't enunciate it irritates me to no degree so 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 i'm kevin Tell, and, and, and I am Lee. There you go. Yes, yes. Was, so, Kevin. What that, an intro, man. Yeah, I know, right? If We're you're just, not engaged yet, <laughs> I don't know what more we'll, well need if, to Well, if do. you're not engaged, hopefully you're amused. So, that's our names. What about who we are? You're from Alabama. What about your background? 
Yeah, so I, you know, I grew up in a what I call mainstream churches of Christ, and and I'm trying to use language, and I always now especially try to use language to not be antagonistic. I was known as as being a very antagonistic person in my my former. Christian days, and so I, when I say mainstream, I'm not saying that in any antagonistic way. In fact, I, I, w- I really attend a mainstream congregation uh, right now. Overall, as far as the uh, the worship is concerned, um, a lot of my views would be considered more progressive on an individual basis. But I did grow up in a mainstream Church of Christ, and so I want to stop right there, Lee, because I think right now this is it, this would be interesting for people to to hear kind of your side and my side on the, uh, if people are not familiar with Churches of Christ. So when I say mainstream Church of Christ, I mean, we always uh, taught growing up that we were the, the Church of Christ that was the right Church of Christ. Um, we were the Church of Christ that was in the middle. Lee, his his brand, I, I, don't, I want to be careful with how I'm wording Tradition. this, but you know Tradition. what I understand. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the tribe, the tradition from which he was a part of or is a part of even still today in the churches of Christ, we thought they were too right-winged, I guess, uh, would be a good way of, of, of approaching it. They no, were that's too, definitely fair. They were yeah. too conservative. Um, they were binding where God had not bound. So we were the mainstream. We were kind of right there in the, the, the perfect center. And then there were some on the left of us who, who would have been considered more liberal and uh, they were they would participate in certain practices that that we wouldn't participate in. And so, what's interesting about this podcast is I'm we're we're still both atten- you know part of the Church of Christ movement um, as far as where we're attending worship. And and Lee to give him a little, I want to give you a little time to talk about that kind of your background in specifically the the idea of churches of Christ specifically. Well, and I think you summed it up really, really well. If you go all the way back, though, you didn't have the splintering within the churches of Christ that exists today. That was something that came after the fact. And what originally, to give a really, really long story, a really short birth, I guess, you had the Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell movement from back in the 1800s, which came to be known as the Restoration Movement. And these were two preachers who grew up in or were a part of what I believe was a more of a Baptist background at the time. And through their study of the scriptures, they saw things in their tradition that didn't line up with how they viewed scripture. And their entire goal and entire purpose, in my mind, is an incredibly noble purpose. And it's definitely one that's worth pursuing. And it's going back to the Bible and just allowing the Bible to be the ultimate authority. Now, part of this podcast, we're going to dig into that in the weeks to come and examine that idea with a little more scrutiny. But they had the idea of is we just need to be Christians. We need to do away with these other monikers, these other things. We're just going to be Christians in name only. We're going to let the Bible be the force of our authority. And over time, as people do, because people are people, they began to have differences of opinion. Not necessarily Stone and Campbell within themselves. I'm sure they had disagreements. Everyone did. I mean, the Apostle Paul and Peter had disagreements. Paul and uh, Barnabas had disagreements. I mean, there, there are disagreements that, that are going to happen just because people are people. And then you had a division that took place in the early 1900s over instrumental music. You had another division that took place over the issue of the cup. And whenever Kevin says he's part of what are called the mainstream churches of Christ, I believe that that's a fair assessment, and I believe that that's a fair label to use. And it's unfortunate that we have to use labels, but in order to identify and specify the terms under discussion, we have to give them a label. The well, and that, and, and and that's the problem when you when you. 
try to describe because every branch wants to believe they are the one true church yeah uh, within the one true church right and so you have the these really a, a lot of subgroups who when you when you begin using terms like the, the one cuppers yeah be- because it was so funny because growing up you know we would call we would have the antis yeah and we would we would call you know they're the one cuppers we actually thought that's what you guys called yourselves like we're the anti church of christ you know <laughs> we're, the, we're the one cup church of christ and and uh, you know, mainstream of course sounds a lot nicer because oh, yeah. we're the we're the mainstream Church of Christ. You know, we're the ones who we're not too far this way. You know, we're not too far that way. We're just right here in the middle. And so, it, it is interesting that you bring that point up because when we do use these terms, we're not being derogatory. We're not trying to do anything other than just describe so that people have a, a good understanding of what we're talking about. Because there are a lot of branches. If you're not familiar with the Churches of Christ. Uh, as much as the Church of Christ wants to give a vibe of, of, of the one true church, this idea of we are the actual church, there are so many sub-churches within this church uh, and within this movement that are so many splintered groups. And even within your splintered groups, you have splintered groups. Yeah, it, it's, it's like those Russian Matryoshka dolls. It just it gets more good, and more yeah, and more good example. drilled down. It, well, it, it gets kind of crazy in, in a lot of ways. But... With us, the tradition that that I came into isn't the tradition I grew up in. I grew up in a Christian, you know, quote unquote, Christian home and grew up with a religious upbringing. I originally grew up Pentecostal and through the course of life um, went away from that. I was never really fully convinced in my mind that this was the right parameters through which that scripture should be viewed. Now, the group that I grew up with wasn't a part of any official Pentecostal group. It wasn't United Pentecostal Churches or anything like that. It was its own entity that had a few sister churches in Oklahoma and Texas and a couple other places. Um, even so, it, it never, it, it was just something I was never really sold on. And through life experiences and various things that happened to me in my late teenage years, I became completely disenchanted with Christianity altogether and just completely departed the faith. I didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want anything to do with religion. I was done with it all. It was all just a bunch of hokey fairy tales and superstitions, wanted no part of it. Well, then I started dating my wife now. And whenever we started dating, she was a member of the Churches of Christ. And the group to which she belongs and to which we belong, even still, is what you called, you know, the one covers. Now, it's funny because the term anti wasn't a term that I ever heard until you and I started to talk and started to hang out and we became friends. And it wasn't a term that I heard until I started hanging out with some other people, too, that were a part of the mainline churches. And through study with her and everything else, I converted, was baptized, and started worshiping with the church, and that's that's where I've been ever since. Even so, though, our lives take on different trajectories. We have different things that can arise that lead us to examine some of the positions that we hold, and sometimes the default positions that we inherit, that we're given, can be found wanting. And that's where I found myself over the last few years is you know, I'm sure you have as well. You and I have had many conversations, well, and, and, and you, I think you wrote a book about it too. Yeah, and you you have an interesting, just aside from from what you've been able to accomplish through ministry, just your actual occupation and the knowledge that you acquired through that. Did that lead you to question um, anything as far as science and 
you know, in fact, give a little detail of, of what you do. Well, I'm a chiropractor. Dr. Grant. Yeah. Well, uh, to all of my friends and to the people that know me <laughs> and even to the patients I take care of, I'm just Lee. I like being on a first name basis with all of my people. The only people that I have ever made you're, do- you're Dr. Grant, and I'm preaching school certificate, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. Give yourself some more credit than that. No, uh, I'm a chiropractor. I was homeschooled all the way through. And what's interesting is, is I don't really have a bona fide high school diploma. I don't have a GED, but I have an associate's degree in applied science. I have a bachelor's degree in anatomy and physiology, another bachelor's degree in health and wellness, and a doctorate in chiropractic. So I have well, a hey, lot of papers. At least I graduated high school. So <laughs> I know, right? Hey, you got that one on me, brother. But no, I barely. Mean, I, barely, but still. No, I still have papers that say I know stuff. But in any case, the only people that I make call me Dr. Grant were my students whenever I taught at college. So um, I spent seven years teaching anatomy and physiology at Murray State College to pre-nursing students. Um, I've also have volunteered at local community clinics providing services there and at the time of this recording I am the current chair of the board of directors for a local community clinic as well so I'm active in the community I'm active in our church I have a teaching role in our church Um, we're a small group but we love each other we love the Lord we love the Bible and I'm gonna say you are the best chiropractor that I have ever met well thank you and I've met at least I think three yeah well, I'm, so I'm glad to know I'm at least in the top three. You are in the top I'm three. I'm at least in the top three. But a part of what originally led me to question everything in my later teen years was whenever I was taking those pre-med classes. I started taking college classes when I was 16. And in taking the science classes, I began to see things that didn't really resonate with the perspective that I had grown up with. And I saw that conflict that so many people talk about between scriptures and science, and I chose science. Yeah. And one of the things we're not going to get into it today, but we may get into in the future, I don't know, is, you know, you can reconcile science and scripture in a very neat way, in a very clean way. And it doesn't mean that you shoehorn science into the scriptures or take other things out of context. That's another conversation for another time. We'll get there later, right? At some point. (laughs) But at that point in my life, it was, it just didn't make any sense anymore. And what really didn't make sense was what I was seeing in the lives of the people that I had looked up to and had gone to church with my entire life and seeing the incongruency with the message preached and the life lived. Yeah. And for me, that was the biggest, the biggest disconnect, the biggest source of the cognitive dissonance that I had at that point. It it was that disconnect that existed. And so I, I left the faith behind and eventually returned to it through you know the work of of my wife and you know through bible study with her and studying other things in any case though you know other things change and we go through life and and here we are well and 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 that's something that when people a lot of you know i'm sure people will ask and people have already asked you okay so what is going to be your objective of of having a podcast while start why even start a podcast and for me, it, it has to do with, number one, complete vulnerability. I want people to know, I want to be honest as much as I can with people and not try to adhere to a certain teaching just because someone may hear this and disagree with it and I'm afraid of that. No, I don't, I don't want to, to operate off of that perspective. I want to be completely honest and transparent. And, and that's one thing that I want other people to know is that 
there are so many conversations that people are having behind closed doors that need to be had in front of in front of people. They need to be had in in, in front of the doors, I guess. I, I don't well, know. within the doors and within the halls of our fellowships, yeah. we need there are some conversations that need to be had. Yeah, and and, and the problem has been that. I was a problem. First of all, I was a big part of the problem in times past, and so I'm, tr- I'm trying to do what I can to just help be part of a solution to let people know that number one, you can change, and that there there is a different approach. There are different ways to understand scripture that, of course, I believe to be correct now that I used to would have called heresy and false doctrine, but make complete sense. It makes complete sense not only contextually and and looking at it from purely an academic biblical perspective, but actually looking at things from a pragmatic perspective of who Jesus is. And so with with my background, I was a, a preacher for really the most of my my adult early adult life, which I guess I'm still a and a young adult, but for for, for, for a 20s, couple of more years, yeah, yeah. there you go. I'm still, I'm, st- you know, I'm still young, right? Right. I'm not old like you, but uh, <laughs> even though we're a few years, only a few years apart. But when uh, when I I started preaching when I was 17, and I, I discuss a lot of this in my book, how I really had this persona of being someone who was going to change things, that I was going to get things back to the way they needed to be. I would read about these restoration preachers, and that's exactly who I wanted to be. Everything was about a battle. Everything was about a fight. It was fighting the good fight of faith. And so I truly really bought into that idea. And so from 17 all the way up to about six years ago, that's exactly who I was, and that's what I did. And so I'm not going to go into great detail about that because I'm sure within this this podcast and even within um, episodes that we do in the future will get into more detail. But the point is, is that I, that's who I once was. I really bought into a, a legal, what I call a legalistic system of trying to earn my way to heaven. And I thought the more I, well, the more I studied myself out of that and I had other people help me and I attribute this all to the grace of God because I didn't never want this to be something that I did for myself. Um, God allowed me to see my own inconsistencies and allowed me the time to be able to, to truly discover what grace is all about. And so I want to share that with the world. I want to share that with as many people as possible because I know how scary it can be when you have been raised or you have been uh, indoctrinated in something for so long and no longer is it making sense. And so that's what I hope to accomplish you know, throughout this is just to be honest because we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. Um, I, I do not have any beef with certain one church. You know, that's we're not here to be antagonistic, and I'm going to keep emphasizing that because if if a lot of uh, podcasts, a lot of talk shows are all about making the other side look bad, if anything, I want to make myself look bad, right? I want to look. I want to go back in time and say, look at look. Let's look at me and and villainize who I was because I now can look back and see so many things in my life that. I just shake my head thinking, what was I thinking, man? I was yeah. so mean. I was so rude. I always use the phrase, I was a jerk for Jesus, but I thought I was doing the right thing. And so that's what's scary about it is you can get caught up in something without even questioning and not having those proper checks and balances in place. Well, and I think what you're saying about, and I really appreciate how you want to really emphasize the idea that the purpose isn't to antagonize anybody. The purpose isn't to call anyone on the carpet and I think a lot of times people will misconstrue things 
unless it's just directly stated, we are not trying to ruffle feathers. That is not the purpose here. We're not trying to roll up our sleeves and say, you know what, there's something wrong. We're coming in here and fixing it whether yeah, you like it or in not. In fact, we hope to, we're, we're, we're literally, you know, our, our, our podcast name, I had to look at it again just to make sure I know what it's called. It's Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. And within, within that scope, we're wanting to bring about unity, which it's interesting that you have a mainstream and a one-cupper. Yeah. And we, we not only disagree with each other on certain things, but we disagree within our own branches, if, if you know, to, for lack of better words, on different things, and even with other churches on different things. And so we have tried to polarize. I mean, our society is all about polarization, right? You're either yeah. this or you're that. You're with this person or with you're that person. You know, you're here, you're there. Well, if, if, if you talk about me and Lee, it's like there's so many different ways you can go with this because, well, me and Lee are together. We're on the same side, but that doesn't mean we see everything eye to eye. Yeah, and, and the idea of being able to come together and have this conversation, one of the goals of this podcast is to model what that looks like. Because as we go through this, I mean, you and I, we see eye to eye on a lot of things conceptually, but whenever it comes down to the details, we're going to differ in our thought processes and our opinions and how we justify those positions. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's part of the spice of life. That's part of what makes the world go around. And like we said before, you can see even in the Holy Record that you had great men of faith who disagreed with each other sometimes, but they still fought on the same side. Well, and even if you, here's what I tell people all the time. I was in denial of this fact because what you just said, that in and of itself will cause people to, to scratch their head. That'll cause people to say, well, how can that be? How can you guys believe you're unified, but yet you disagree on things? And so... The, the reason is because neither one of us believe that unity is dependent upon uniformity and perfect doctrinal agreement. Now, I used to believe that, but here's the problem, is if you believe that, you're going to find yourself being extremely inconsistent. And, and that's something here that I, I want to talk about for a few minutes is what caused you to change and, and how I changed. And so what were some of the things specifically with you that, that allowed you to back away from the legalistic approach to Scripture and start considering alternatives to understanding God, the Bible, Jesus? And well, I had no idea that this was the case at the time. But for me, the, the shift in paradigm probably started about six years ago. At this point, eh, yeah, yeah, it was probably about six years ago. At this point, I've graduated chiropractic school. We've moved from Texas back to God's country, which is Oklahoma, in case you're wondering. That's one thing that I will never let go of. That's one position I'll hold to the day I die. <laughs> it's a salvation issue. It is a salvation issue. If you don't agree with me, the Oklahoma's God's country. You're a wild heathen, a heretic <laughs> of the highest order. Now, um, that's another thing, too. Kevin and I both deal in sarcasm, though we try not to let it be biting sarcasm. Yeah, we like it, to have fun with it. We don't want it to it. be antagonistic sarcasm. Yes, it's, I, it's, I just wrote an article about that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I saw that. I, I haven't read it. I have to go back and read it. Yeah. Make sure. But, but in any case, though, let, I digress. <laughs> Funny I should use that word. Like but in any case, yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't take us too serious. So six years ago, six years ago, um, at that point in my life, um, we had two kids. We're, we now have four kids. And we were worshiping with Be fruitful uh, and multiply, man. Hey, that's right. We, we're firm believers in that. In any case, we were worshiping with a particular congregation, a very small congregation in a small town. And because it was a small congregation, I'm, you know, I have an active teaching role. 
And it wasn't very long, probably within about two years after I became a member of the Lord's Church, that it was about two years after I became a member of the Lord's Church that I began to study more and I began to speak and I began to teach in a limited capacity. You know, I started to cut my teeth there. And I've always been gifted whenever it comes to standing in front of people and speaking. Whenever I took speech in college, I thought people didn't want to get up and give a speech. I didn't think being afraid to get up in front of people was a real thing. I thought people were just being lazy. They just didn't want to go through the process right. I have never been afraid to stand up in front of people and talk. So for me, getting up and, and starting to teach and everything, it was just it was a natural thing. Well, at this point, I've been a member of the church for somewhere in the neighborhood of nine-ish years, I guess. What was that, 2014? Yeah, about nine years. And I was studying to put a lesson together, and I was going to get up and give a lesson. And it was about the different vices that plague society that Christians should avoid. And in times past when I've talked about this, I've been um, a little quiet about the particulars of that, but I'm going to go ahead and get specific here and just let it out there. Let it the, out, man. <laughs> yeah, let it all out. So the first vice I was going to talk about was drinking. You know how drinking alcohol is something a Christian should avoid completely. And you can make that case from Scripture. You know, you can look at the Scripture, you can make that case. The second one I was going to talk about was smoking. And, you know, you can look at not letting your body be brought under subjection of anything and being addicted to the addictive nature of nicotine and understanding the biochemistry behind how nicotine can cause addiction. To, to there's good to reasons. There's yeah, 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 you can see that. But this is the one that got me, is the third one I was going to talk about were tattoos. And so whenever I started looking at the scriptures and started looking at what the Bible said about tattoos, I had that passage over there in Leviticus, and that was it. And so I wanted to understand the historical context behind that. What was the cultural context behind this prohibition from tattooing? And it didn't align with the modern conception of tattooing. The modern conception of tattooing is, is this art that is a part of self-expression. In that era, it was a part of idolatry. It was scarification to draw on the totemic power of your ancestors, which was a part of ancient Canaanite idolatry. And so I'm thinking to myself, I don't have really any scripture that I can use to talk about why getting a tattoo is a sin here. So I just need to look a little harder. So I started looking for scriptures that I could use to make that point and to make that case, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm not really coming to the scriptures to see what the Bible says. I'm trying to read what I want into it. And at that point, I began to wonder, what else have I done this with? Yeah. What are some other topics that either I have done this with actively or what are some other positions that I have accepted just without really even giving it a second thought and thinking, oh, well, that's the truth. Because, you know, we, we promote the idea of obeying the gospel to be, believe, confess, repent, be baptized. And then it's like you come up out of that watery grave of baptism, a new creature, raised to walk in the newness of life, and you're given a bag of doctrines. And it's like, here are the doctrines now. This is everything that you need to believe. And we never question those doctrines. We never think about them. We never look at them from other angles to see if they're logically sound, to see if they work. And for me, that was the beginning. I started to look at that and wonder what else. So you would say then when you realize that you were wrong or could be wrong on something, that flipped a switch in your mind as yeah. if, huh. What else could I be looking at? What if, else if could I be wrong, wrong about What here? else could yeah. I be looking at in the wrong way? Yeah, and so as, as the years go by for me, 
I mean, there for probably about eight, nine months, I didn't preach on any topical sermons at all. I so, just did exposition. I just I went through <laughs> James and did a series through James, did a series through First John, did a series through Ecclesiastes. I was petrified of getting up there and saying the wrong thing or promoting something based on a preconception that I held in my mind that wasn't in fact scriptural. Yeah, and that and that is a that is such a a, a scary point when you have allowed yourself to view salvation through the lenses of getting everything correct. Yes. And 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 that is something that when you when you admit that you are fallible, that when we are human we as humans we are fallible. We're coming to the word of God to try as as fallible human beings to try to figure out an infallible God. It really changes things. And the the two things that I tell people as to why I change. I know a lot of this we're just kind of really wanting to touch the hem of the garment here because we just want people to know what this podcast is going to be about because if Lee's up for it, I want to get very specific with a lot of these things as time allows in future episodes. And so today's just more to give you a general concept of of where we came from and where we're at now. Yeah, and for me, that was just the first domino that fell. Yeah. A few years later, there was another domino that fell, and we'll get into this in, in a future episode because I don't want to get into it now because we'll be here for four hours, and it was cosmology. And biology, is that is that like uh, origins, like uh, cosmology school, like where they make you look where they do the makeup? Everything, that makeup? may be what they yeah. do in Alabama, but in cos- Oklahoma, it's the study of the heavens. Have a degree in your yeah. cos- cosmo- <laughs> <you're> cosmologist, cosmetologist. <laughs> yeah. There's another there's another syllable in there. I think you might have missed. <laughs> but, but hey, me, I told you, man. <laughs> I graduated high school. All right, I'm just hey, happy we, with that. Hey, we love you anyway, man. We love you anyway. But that one and science, I circled back around and came back around to science and had some struggles there. There were some other topics that we'll talk about in the future that I came around to. And it's funny because in researching one of those topics, I came across your website. Because at that point, you had moved away. You and I hadn't been in contact for probably about three or four years at that point. Yeah, I actually thought you thought I was going to hell. Well, I thought you thought I was going to hell. (laughs) So, I mean, who knows? <laughs> so, because I, I had, when I resigned from, uh, I, was, I was directing a program and had, had been associated with a program called the Gospel of Christ for six years. And this was, I ended up taking the job in 2008, and then I had it until 2014. And I was only the director of the program for about half that time. But I was, that's when, when actually we met and yeah. we, during that time and, and, I, and we just liked each other you know we realized hey we have a lot in common it was kind of funny because it's one of those weird things and everybody has experienced it when you know you're supposed to believe that person's going to hell because they <laughs> believe something different than you but deep down you're like yeah I just don't know though I know I'm supposed to say this and I know this is what I, my church believes and what I, I claim that I believe but there's just a sense that when you get to know somebody you, you discover their faith in Jesus and you discover their life and huh all of a sudden you're you're questioning well maybe they're not they're not lost you know maybe they're not and and but but yeah so you know that that's something that lee and i had been friends during that time but then i ended up changing and and really there were two things to kind of catch us up in the time frame of, of 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 us getting back together is i ended up moving away from from ardmore where we lived at the time 
and I just really didn't keep in touch with a lot of people because I had been quote unquote marked by a lot of individuals who all, all of a sudden thought I was a false teacher. And I would say from their perspective, rightly so, because to be consistent, the things I was teaching at one point, I was, I was now teaching the exact opposite. And so if someone believes that those are things that you need to mark someone over or dis, disfellowship or withdraw fellowship, then I respect that and I understand that they're just simply trying to do uh, what they think they need to do and they're following their conviction. And so, but during that time, I really laid low because I knew I, through my debates and through everything that I had done, when I now am coming out saying that I've changed on a lot of things, I knew I was going to get a lot of pushback on that. And so I ended up resigning and completely getting out of employed ministry at that time. And I'm still, no, I'm still not in employed ministry, but I got out of it at that time. And really people have asked me, what caused you to change? That's, that's everybody's question who knew me at that time. You know, we knew who you were, Kevin. You used to hold to the truth, and you were you were a strong preacher of the faith. And, and why why are you no longer doing this? What caused you to change? And I tell people that what caused me to change is not something that was better felt than told. It was literally seeing that how I was applying the scripture is inconsistent with scripture itself. Yeah. And and these are the two things that I allude back to, and I challenge anybody when they are struggling with legalism to ask these ask themselves these two questions is almost a self-evaluation so these are the these are the questions that i ask uh, myself okay this was the first one was this is how am i determining what a salvation issue is versus what a salvation issue is not because in the churches of christ specifically and especially and i know this is across all denominations too but you have this idea that there are some issues you can agree to disagree on, but there are other issues that you cannot agree to disagree on. In other words, you have to be unified in order to fellowship with that person and consider them a faithful believer in Christ. So I always struggle to be consistent with that. So if you disagreed with me on something, I needed to convert you because we, in order to have unity, you need we needed to see things the, the we same We need to way. be in lockstep. We need to see yeah. things in the same way. We need to be of the same mind as yeah, possible. For, you know, yeah, and those are passages that I would use, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, that, mm-hmm. that we're to, we, we need to make sure that, that we all are speaking the same thing, that we all have the same mind. And so when you take passages like that out of context— you end up having to come to the conclusion that we have to agree on absolutely everything in order to be unified. Well, nobody, have you ever heard anybody who takes that position? I haven't. I don't know anybody who says you have to agree on every single possible Bible doctrine in order to be unified. Have you ever heard anybody teach that? I might have. If if I haven't heard someone teach it, I I have a couple of people that come to mind that may hold to that ideology. Every single thing. Yeah. Wow. Dead serious, yes. But they are the minority. Yeah. Like the vast minority because the point you're making is is that that is an impossibility. Because if you take any two... I mean, for example, my wife and I, we've been married now. It'll be 15 years in November. Yeah. I, I know her better than anyone else. She knows me better than anyone else. And we are in unison and in unity on so many things, but there are still a few things that even her and I don't necessarily agree on yeah. fully. Well, and when you approach scripture that way there, what ends up happening is you have to condense your beliefs. And that's what the church of Christ is very good at is if 
you know, sermons that you will hear if you go right now, if you Google search this, go on Facebook, see what people are sharing. It's going to be baptism. I mean, it's, that's, that's going to be the main focus is not just baptism, but how to be baptized the correct way and for, with the correct knowledge. And it's going to be uh, worship. And those are going to be your main focuses is how to worship or your main focus will be how to worship properly and how to be a Christian properly. And so those, that's, that's really your main focus there. And so if you really agree on those things, you start breaking down because I did meet someone one time that says, you know, well, we got to agree on on almost everything. I've never met anybody that said you got to agree on everything, but almost. And yeah. so I started asking, what's the, you know, what do you believe the date of Revelation was? You know, when do you believe that was written? And who do you, you know, who do you believe this person was, or who do you believe that person was? And then I started asking them about different views, and they had never even heard of. They, these were these were Bible doctrines that they had never even heard of before, or even studied, or, or passages that they had not even looked at. And I said, so how are we supposed to? always be united on every single thing that doesn't even allow room for growth and it's not even re it's not even real so anybody who's sitting here listening thinking that the church they attend is full of people who see things just like they see it on every single issue give me five minutes with just two of your members yeah and and i can show that that's not the case well and, and not only that but that perspective that we have to agree on absolutely everything in perfect lockstep it, that idea is predicated on having a perfect knowledge of everything. Yeah. Because every doctrinal issue has to be agreed on. Well, we may not even know what every doctrinal issue is. No. I mean, we may not have an awareness of different perspectives or different, you know, like the different ideologies that look at, at the principle of origins or in, you know, generic literature in the Old Testament. You know, looking at, you know, is Job a literal historical event that took place or was it a story that was told that made a theological point? Same thing with Jonah. You know, what about, you know, your perspective on, you know, over there in Judges where the dude, like, chopped up the woman and threw her parts in all the different places or what you know what I'm talking about well what does that mean well one person may say it means this the other person says it means that and it's like oh well that's a trivial thing but I mean don't we have to agree on that in perfect unity to have yeah. unity if we all speak the same thing we all we have and, and what people will respond and this is the response people who are listening and who who will disagree they will respond by saying yes Lee I understand that but what I'm talking about is unity when it comes to things that are essential now well, here's the problem. Here's, how do we determine what's yeah, essential? So, so this, That's so this, the issue. This, that begs the question, and this is why you have so many number one denominations, but also splinter groups within each denomination because each group believes that they have figured out what is essential. And I, I don't believe that the churches of Christ are the only ones who are involved in legalistic behavior um, by any stretch of the imagination. Because the more I have talked to other churches and, and or members of other churches, what I've seen is that they run into the same problem. Some people call them open hand issues versus closed hand issues. Some people call them matters of faith uh, versus matters of, of opinion, matters of fellowship. Uh, you know, you, you salvation issues, heaven or hell issues. So I hope you understand what we're talking about. Is it's this idea that there are some things you have to get right and other things that you don't have to get right. And so the, the, my first question on that is, number one, what is that list? And, I was, and this is what I asked myself, is if I really believe in this idea that there are fellowship issues, why can I not produce that list in the Bible? And what's sad is I was promoting this as the simple gospel. This is simple. I'm just following the Bible. And so I would tell people, if you just follow the Bible, you'll know what it is. You know, you'll know what's essential. <laughs> 
Well, we have a lot of people who are attempting to follow the Bible in all sincerity, and they're coming to different conclusions on not just one or two things, but on hundreds of different Their list beliefs. isn't going to match up with anyone no. else's list. Well, and that's, I actually did this one time. This has been years ago. I had a, a survey among about 100 people, and I said, and, all, and I, all I did was I asked five questions to members of the Churches of Christ, five questions that were considered controversial doctrinal questions. And I asked them to just, it was an anonymous survey, okay? And all I did was I said that, put down what your belief is on this. And it was actually multiple choice. So, you know, I put, do you believe that, number one, what is your belief on this? That was the first question, okay? And I had kind of had A, B, C, D, basically which side do you take? And then the next question was, if someone disagrees with you on this particular question, this this idea, this doctrine, do you believe you can still fellowship with them, or do you believe that that person is no longer a faithful believer? Well, not only was there, I think there was only about eight people who eight out of a hundred, and I would have to go back because right now I am just I am just trying to remember, but it was only a yeah. small handful of people who got the first ones right and actually agreed on those five questions, but no one agreed on the second. Part, which was, is this a salvation issue or is it not? So when you're dealing with this idea of fellowship issues, you actually have two barriers. Number one, you're, you have to figure out what are the salvation issues. And then even if you believe you figured that out, then you have to say, well, what's the correct view and what is the correct conclusion on this issue that I believe you have to have the right answer on? <laughs> so, it, so that was the first thing that got me to reconsider is we are being very inconsistent with who I'm choosing to fellowship with and who I'm choosing not to fellowship with. And there was no objective gauge from Scripture that was helping me to come to my conclusion. Well, and part of the issue that you have with that is is that some would answer, well, it's real simple. Just look at the Bible and see what it says. And the issue with that answer, because that's how I would have answered that question years yeah. ago, is, well, you just pick up the Bible and read it and see what it says. And whatever the Bible says, well, then that's what you do. Oversimplification. It definitely oversimplifies it because it, it implies, that answer in and of itself implies, number one, that the Bible is perfect, which it is. But the second thing that it implies is not true at all, and it's that if we see it, we're going to take an objective reading to it. One of the things that a lot of people, and at least that I didn't understand for myself, and I think a lot of other people don't understand, is that whenever we read the Bible, where it's nearly impossible, and I would even say over the last few years and a lot of the study I've done, it, it is um, practically impossible to come to the Scriptures with a fully objective, clear mind. Yeah, you can't. You can't do we it. We all have a lens that we bring to the Scriptures. We all have a presupposition that the we bring. The most objective you can be is by admitting you're not. Yeah. I mean, and, honestly. Well, and really, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It, it really is true because whenever you read something, the application that you see in that passage for whatever it may be, may be completely different and apart from what the original writer had intended to communicate. And, and by the way, I want to I make this point clear. We're not talking about your someone's intent. I, I intend to come to the Bible and look at it as, a, as objectively as I can. The problem is, is that even with the best of intentions, I still have my upbringing. That was, that's going to be a big factor. I have, I have the lenses of my experiences that are going to be a big factor as to how I read. I'm going to have 
multiple sermons that I have heard in Bible classes I've heard growing up that has already given me a lot of material that goes into my presupposition. And so I remember reading certain passages before, and then I would hear somebody make another point, and I'm thinking, I've never even heard of that. And it's not because I'm intentionally trying to misunderstand the Bible. It's because I'm a human. I'm yeah. a fallible person. And and you're exactly right, Lee. That Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted no, to pull well, that point true. out. Because I mean, we're not talking about sincerity. We're talking about... We're just talking about reality. Well, even when we come to the Scriptures with that perspective and we come to the Scriptures with that mind, in my opinion and in my mind, I used to have this idea that if people didn't arrive at the same conclusion that I arrived at, that they just didn't want to do what was right. Or they were ignorant. They were ignorant. But yeah. after their ignorance has been removed and after then I they can were rebellious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, you know, well, Kevin, I've talked to you about this topic. We have studied this, and now you just don't want to do what's yeah. right. I just don't care about God because I don't conclude. You just don't what care. You, concluded. you just yeah. don't care about God. You just you hate God. You hate the Bible. You hate the church. And I guess I'm just casting my pearls before swine, and I need to shake the dust off my feet and move on. But in doing that, I'm reading into your motivation. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I'm putting myself on the same level as God is because only God can see into your heart and know your motivation. And sometimes we say, well, I can know my motivation, but sometimes God even knows our motivation better than what we do. Sometimes yeah. we can fool ourselves. And in my mind, the, the, one of the big shifts that I've had as well is, is whenever I talk to anyone about faith, whenever I talk to anyone about religion, scriptures, Jesus, whatever the case is, I don't look at them as being willingly obtuse about it. They, they're they not coming to this with this motivation to be ignorant. They're doing the best they can just like I am. And we can come together and reason together. And that's really the purpose why we're doing this is because we have similar backgrounds and we're similar in a lot of ways and similar per, we have, now share some similar perspectives, but we do still differ on some things. And you and I, over the last couple of years, have had, after we reconnected, you know, we've had a lot of conversations. Because yeah. as I was trying to work through a lot of this stuff and trying to wrap my head around it, I had different people that I wanted to reach out to and talk to, and I was terrified of that prospect. Because whenever you begin to entertain some ideas that tend to go against the status quo, that bag of doctrines you're handed whenever you come up out of the water, and you begin to wonder, well, what about marriage, divorce, and remarriage? You know, what about the hair being the covering? What about, you know, whether or not modest apparel includes pants for Christian women? You know, whatever the case may be. There are some of these topics that you don't feel like you can discuss with your brethren. And I'm sure the same is true in, in the mainstream churches of Christ as it is amongst the one cup churches of Christ. You don't share those, I guess, doubts for lack of a better term or those concerns or those thoughts with your brethren because you're afraid that you're going to get castigated for it. You're afraid you're going to get blasted for it. Yeah. You know, especially whenever you blasted people. And I didn't blast people as hard as you did, but I did my fair share of blasting in the past. And you you really feel like you're all alone. Yeah. And when you feel alone, you start to get scared and then you begin to doubt and then that doubt becomes a seed that's planted that sprouts into this massive, massive vine that can block out the sun of hope that well, would feel, otherwise shine upon you. You feel very isolated. And what I have come to realize is that where I was at before, I was that was actually not where the majority of Christians stand. And the more that I even talk to people uh, just about certain topics and issues, and not just topics and issues because it's, it's 
you and I have discussed, Lee, it's not it's not about finding out which all doctrines are right and which ones you got. You know, it's it, it, that's a completely different approach to what I believe we should be taking. You know, yeah. how we should be looking at scripture now because. When you, when you look at the bigger concepts, when you look at the bigger principles, a lot of the smaller things will take care of themselves. Yes. And with with talking to people about issues like instrumental music, because, you know, the Churches of Christ, I mean, that's, that's... That's our hallmark, man. Yeah, that's... We got some of the best singers in the world, that, that, baby. You know, you, you, even, you even question instrumental music or the idea of it in most mainstream churches and to you know mainstream into the right churches then that that's basically questioning the existence of God himself because and, and we don't allow room to to discuss we don't allow room to consider or explore no yeah, yeah. Or, or explore or pursue grace See, yeah got the, got the title in there of our podcast again but you you really don't allow any you don't allow space and so what happens is people start just inwardly questioning things and then if they do bring it up to somebody instead of talking about it they they get shot down immediately no 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 how dare you bring this up look this you you're going towards the the wrong side you're you're going in the way of error you're going to be you might even abandon the faith if you keep going this route and so that scares us cuz the last thing we want to do is abandon the faith so we quit questioning and we just allow ourselves to be comfortable and by the way, legalism is a very comfortable religion, man. It is so comfortable. I, it, I used to talk about how if you really love God, you know, you've got preaching legalism so difficult. I'm going to tell you, I've got more people complimenting me when I was teaching legalism than, I, than when I teach about grace. Now I'm talking about during that time yeah, period. Yeah. But, I mean, people love to hear it, man. They love to hear it. But that's really the, the, the main question that helped me to think things through is how are we determining who is who is right and who is wrong what a fellowship issue is what a fellowship fellowship issue is not and the second thing that i wanted to to bring up at least in this podcast today this episode is asking if god's grace covers error okay so i was talking to a woman after man I'm trying to think when this was this was this was when I was still very legalistic myself and she was I actually talk about this in my book I had just preached a sermon on grace and I highly doubt my sermons back then were very accurate about what grace <laughs> teaches but it certainly was you know a little bit better than some of the other things that I was teaching I'm sure so I was I was teaching a sermon on grace and it was actually a meeting that I had held, and it was my last night. And this lady came come up came up to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, "Can I talk to you for a few minutes?" And I said, "Sure." So we ended up letting a lot of other people leave, and so her and I were able to have a little bit of time together just to talk. And there were a few other uh, leaders of the church there, and we all had this discussion. And she told me, she said, "You know, Kevin, I I just feel terrified that I'm not going to go to heaven." And I said, "Well, why do you feel terrified?" And by the way, I, I felt terrified deep down. <laughs> you know, I was kind of, I was kind of like, you know, I, I could relate, but I didn't want to tell her I could relate because I was supposed to have the answers. And so, here I just preached a sermon about how you can know you can go to heaven. And deep down, if I was honest, I was terrified myself. And so, I said, "Well, why are you afraid?" And she said, "Well, I know, Kevin, that I don't have all the answers." and that I'm not smart enough to have all the answers. And of course, I gave her this big speech about how that's why Jesus died for us. And we, we can't figure it out all of ourselves, all on our own. But she said, but what if I am doing something wrong or not doing something right that is essential? <laughs> 
That's now, heavy. As a legalist, that you and once again, I use the term legalist. I'm describing myself. I'm not being derogatory towards that, but I'm saying as someone who really believed you had to get everything right, that was essential. Then all of a sudden, now I'm thinking, okay, well, technically, theoretically, could she? And she even asked me. She said, "Well, couldn't I be doing something wrong or not be doing something right that is essential to go to heaven?" And I just sat there for a minute. I said, well, that's where grace, God's grace comes in. And she said, yeah, but Kevin, you, you've even taught us that, <laughs> that if, if, if this is essential, we have to do it. And so what if I'm just missing something? What if, and I call it the what if doctrine, you know, it's this idea of you can what if anything to death. And so yeah. that, that caused me to think a little bit. Well, so this is, this is the way now that I, I address this, is that if you don't believe that God's grace well, first of all, I think to put the word essential in front of, of anything is very legalistic. That is not, you know, Christ did not say, that. That's when you say what is essential and what's not essential, that reminds me of the rich man ruler. When I, when I, when I address Christianity as what do I have to do to go to heaven, and Jesus said, you have to keep my commands, and I reply back, well, I did all that. And then Jesus says, well, here's one you, that's not even written down that you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so Jesus taught a relational faith, not a, not a law-based faith. But so, so first of all, that question is not even a, in my, in my understanding, that's not even an accurate question to begin with anymore now. But back then, and for those who are still struggling with legalism, that's a question I propose to you. Do you believe you can know you're saved? Do you believe you can believe you're saved? If the answer is yes, then the next question is, do you believe that you might be doing something or, or is it even possible that you could ignorantly be doing something or not be doing something that's essential for you to go to heaven? Well, if, it, if you're ignorantly not doing it or doing it, then what do you have to answer? Well, there's no way you can know. Yeah, you would have if to, you're say ignorant yes, to it, yeah, yeah. You'd have to say yes, the possibility is there. So you can't really know you're going to heaven unless you answer this question by saying that you are infallible and that's what one preacher actually told me in a conversation I was ha I had written an article called does God's grace cover doctrinal error and he called me up and very nice man by the way and, and he came into uh, my office there this has been years ago and and I said well he said Kevin I don't think God's grace can cover thing you know doctrinal error and I said, well, first of all, we're going to disagree on what doctrinal error is first of all I said yeah. well, let's even assume that what you're saying is correct I said, if, if that's the case, I said, then is there a possibility you may be doing something that you believe is doctrinally wrong? And he looked at just for a minute, and he said, no. He said, I know I'm doing nothing that is doctrinally wrong. Wow. And I looked at him, and I said, you had to answer that way, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. And he looked at me, and he goes, well, he goes, if, if, I, if I said... I could be doing something that's doctrinally wrong that I'm just ignorantly, you know, I'm ignorantly doing. He said, then I really couldn't know I'm saved, then could I? And I said, that's my point, is that you are trying to earn your way to heaven. Man, this is, that's legalism right there. And to me, that's such a powerful point. So there are two groups of people who, who fall prey to legalism, and that is... Um, I mean, there's a lot of groups of people who fall prey, but what I always say is that... There's an outcome from yeah, that. There, yes, yeah. there's the, the byproduct of legalism is you're either going to be extremely arrogant because you have to be. You have to believe you have every answer there is to, in order to go to... And you're doing everything correctly. Not only do you know everything that's essential, you're perfectly executing those things. And, and, and that's one group. The other group is the group that says, look, Kevin, I know there's no way I can say that uh, I, without a shadow of a doubt I'm doing everything that I need to do because I'm human and I, 
I'm ignorant there on something. I could be ignorant on something that I, I need to be doing. So that person walks around never knowing if they're if they're going to heaven. This is the person that says, "Well, I hope so." You know, I hope God's grace is enough. And it's just they really walk around constantly terrified. And so the byproduct of legalism, when you when you really dwindle it down, is you're either going to have that extreme arrogance or you're going to have that uh, extreme fear. And yeah. sometimes it's a mixture too, because a lot of times I kind of had both. Yeah. You know, at certain stages I had both because I would like figure out something in my mind. I'd be like, yeah, now I got everything figured out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that's that's the way that I really start a conversation with someone who's genuinely interested in how to break these legalistic patterns. And if you're talking to someone who is legalistic, these are some honest questions. And don't, don't ask them in an antagonistic way. Just be honest and say, look, how are you coming to your conclusions on what you believe is a fellowship issue and what you believe is not a fellowship issue and what is your biblical gauge to determine that. Yeah, uh, well, and that gauge is going to be determined, like you said, from the upbringing that someone has, the traditions that they've been raised in, the time into which they've been born, the level of education they have. It's going to vary as much as an individual will. But then you're going to have people that say, oh, no, 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 we can't, we have to ignore all of that and we have to just come to the Bible. Well, it's... I'd like to see how that's possible, Yeah, frankly. I'd like to see how that's possible. And I think one of the reasons why um, some of our groups especially have a tendency to go in a legalistic direction is because grace has been cheapened a lot. You know, because in, in saying that grace covers a lot, and, and we've talked about this before, but in saying that you know grace can cover doctrinal error, the natural response to that, of course, it's a fallacious response, but it's to say, well, you're just saying you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You're saying you can just go out and shoot somebody. You can go out and just sleep with someone's wife or do whatever you want to do. You can just run around and party and snort coke and do all this other nonsense, and grace is going to cover you. No, that's not what's being said. Shall we continue in sin that grace may bow? No, 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 no. Well, are the but, response is when you ask them about fellowship issues, they'll say, oh, so you're just trying to figure out what you can and can't get away with. Yeah. No, what we're trying to see is why you're condemning one group of people while not condemning the other, even though you disagree with both. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You know, we need, to, we need to look at this in a healthy way, and we need to be able to have these discussions. Yeah. Whether it pertains to particular doctrines or particular approaches or whether it pertains to the whole ball of wax and the lens through which we view Scripture. And that's really the purpose of this podcast is to move away from a legalistic reading because— and one thing that I want to make abundantly clear is I don't feel like I have it all figured out in the least. No. I felt that way, and it was a product of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but our listeners, if you don't know what the Dunning-Kruger effect is, there are a couple of uh, clinical psychologists that studied the nature of human cognition and how it affects confidence in whatever someone learns about. And what they found is, is that whenever you take most people— and you introduce them to a new concept or a new trade or a new bit of knowledge or whatever else, they greatly overestimate the level of knowledge that they have at the very beginning. And then as they begin to learn more about that topic or more about that thing, they begin to realize, wow, I really don't know nearly as much as what I thought that I knew. And they begin to be humbled by that. And then they begin to realize, wow, I really don't have the grasp on this that I thought that I had. I really thought that I had it all figured out, but I don't. 
Yeah. They go through this deconstruction phase with that knowledge, and then they slowly build their confidence back up as they gain true knowledge in that and a better sense of how to apply it. In other words, at the beginning where you have all this knowledge and you think you know way more than what you do, you may have a lot of knowledge but no wisdom. And then as you grow in wisdom, you learn how to better apply that knowledge. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of our people fall into that trap of legalism is because of that Dunning-Kruger effect. We get a little bit of knowledge about the scriptures. You know, you give a young man who aspires to be a preacher a King James or New King James Bible. You give him a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, a Knave's Topical Bible, a Vine's Dictionary, and Thayer. And you turn them loose and you say, all right, here you go. You know, get, get after yeah. it. That's how it works in some of our circles. You yeah. know, you guys actually have preaching schools. We don't. But you turn these folks loose and they begin to study and rather than exploring faith or asking the questions that they want to ask a lot of times they'll just double down on what they've already been taught what they already supposed to be the truth and they'll go to the scriptures to verify that like I did for so long and then whenever they come out of that if they come to the realization well wow I don't know nearly as much as what I thought that I knew well, they really don't feel like they can talk to anybody about it. No, and and yeah, it, it's and, terrifying. And you try to have that conversation, and like we mentioned earlier, you get shouted down. So part of this, the purpose of this podcast, is one, to discuss those things openly. Because like I said, I don't feel like I have all the answers. Well, and we we're, want, yeah, yeah, yeah we want people to know we're just... We're just thinking. We're exploring right? our faith I mean, just like anybody else's. We're doing the best we can to, and, and I believe to, with because you and I both uh, coming out of what we came out of, what, what I think is very important is when I first started changing understandings, I noticed that there were a lot of people on, and I don't know, I'm saying this with parentheses, the other side who I thought were just as mean, if not meaner, than the legalistic side. So in other words, they, they found grace in their theology, but they were, they were just as mean as, as, and rude as, as, as anybody else you're ever going to find in legalism. Their thinking had changed, so, but they hadn't. Yes, and that even happened to me because I noticed that I was then trying to beat everybody over the head with grace. Which is kind of funny because that's, <laughs> you know, how in the world do you do that? But I somehow managed to do that. And so I found that there are a lot of people who change in their theological understandings, but they're just as mean. And I want to protect myself from that. I, I yeah. want to make sure that when people listen to us, I would hope people can listen to us who completely disagree with us and still know that we have respect for them. I've got high respect for my friends that I used to run around with who completely disagree with me. Even the ones who would say that they now think that I'm lost. I have high respect for them because I understand where they're coming from. I no longer I don't agree with where they're coming from, but I understand where they're coming from and how dare I look upon them in judgment when I did the exact same thing they did in fact i did it even worse in the sense of I, I even handled people a lot more aggressively my a lot of my friends have handled me with great love when they told me that they think that i'm lost now but they did it with love and uh so i i appreciate that and i have a great respect and so i want when people listen to this i don't want it to be oh no there there goes lee and kevin again just just attacking somebody i never want people to be able to say that yeah. uh, about us we're just really exploring things and talking about different topics and we want to hear from you guys 
yeah on what to discuss because honestly there are so many things that we can discuss and especially from our upbringings uh, and how we have changed that there may be something you want us to specifically address and so please let us know if there's something that you want us to talk about because this is why we're doing this is to give um, just uh, a voice to people who who are wanting to hear this well, we want to do that. Voice, not to them, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah. Well, we want to give a voice. <laughs> we want to give a voice and give the proper respect to those questions that so often arise that are never answered because people are too afraid to ask them. Yeah. And hopefully, if this gains traction and this becomes a thing, a, a real stretch goal that we have in mind for this that I personally would love to see come about is a culture change within the churches of Christ in general where they become a safe place where these types of conversations can happen. Yeah. Where we can take these long-held beliefs and long-held traditions and ask the questions that need to be asked. You know, if we find inconsistencies with a system of argumentation or we find, you know, a new level of understanding in the cultural, historical, you know, context behind what was written, let's have a discussion about it. And let's, let's just be honest. It. Instead yeah. of trying to, to hold fast to our traditions of men to try to actually really see the the meaning of, of what Jesus taught. And if that goes against our tradition, be willing to openly discuss it and just question these things. In times past, we haven't done because we just marked everything as heresy if it disagrees with what we already thought to be the truth. Well, and, and it's so interesting that you say that because whenever you mark something as heresy, it's the easiest way. Earlier we talked about division. We talked about the cesspool that is, you know, Facebook and social media and everything else, which ironically we're going to be using to promote this. <laughs> How hilarious is that? Just a little bit more of the, Just, uh, the, yeah. the poison in the well. <laughs> little poison in the well. But, you know, we, we talk about these inconsistencies. You know, we talk about these, these, these issues and this idea of, of not being able to have these discussions, the easiest way to discredit somebody is to just assign a label to it. Yeah. And, you know, if someone comes with a question about marriage, divorce, well, what about, you know, can the guilty party remarry? You know, it, it, what is the guilty party to begin with? You know, what about, you know, the exception clause that's given? Well, no, there's no exception for a divorce, you know, because of this, that, or whatever else. Oh, well, they're just no exception. They're just never going to buy into it. Oh, they're just liberal. They think the guilty party can remarry. You know, at that point, you're not giving any, any attention to the real questions that could come up and the real answers that may be lie below the surface. We've not allowed ourselves to. No, Because we automatically go, oh, you're the person who believes that. Oh, oh. So that means yeah. dot, 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 dot. Mm -hmm. And I, I, man, I did that all the time. I was marking, quote unquote, marking false teachers when I would preach. Guys I never even talked to, guys that I never really even knew much about, but... I would say beware, beware, and people people buy into that, man. They listen yeah. to it and they go, "Oh, I've heard about you. You know, you you don't care about God, and uh, you're just out to destroy truth." Well, and someone could raise an important point, or someone could raise a real question, and you think, "Oh, man, that's hard." Sometimes it's hard to consider those questions. Sometimes it's hard to consider maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I don't have the fullest understanding of this that I thought that I had. And it's way easier for me to say, oh, well, that's Kevin that asked that question. He's one of them cups and classes people over there. He don't know what he's talking about. And now all of a sudden, I don't have to engage in the hard work of testing all things and holding fast to that which is good. Yeah. And that's what we want to get past in this, and that's what we want to bring to all of you that are listening, 
this idea that we can have these conversations. They can be productive. And as we explore our faith, the goal isn't to further entrench ourselves in what we already know to be true, but it's to pursue that grace that well, to come to God gives Jesus. all of us. Yeah, it's I to mean, come I, closer to Him. I, you know, I want to know. I want to know Jesus. I want to. I want to have a relationship with Him. Uh, something that I didn't even believe in six years ago. I didn't even believe in the idea of a relationship with Christ. And so, um, but yeah. So these are just some of the things we have kind of just been here, there, and everywhere today in this podcast, and, and that's because this is our first one, and we want to let you know what this is going to be about. And yeah. if you have any questions, uh, we're going, your privacy is going to be uh, kept safe if you do want to reach out to us. We're not in the business of marking people. We're not in the business of trying to say, well, hey, now that you've told us this, we're going to tell the church you're at. Um, there are a lot of preachers who reached out to me who were in tough, tough situations because they didn't know what to do. They no longer believed what the the church they were at believed, and they didn't know what they were going to do. They had a wife, they had kids, and uh, they realized that they can no longer do what they're doing anymore, but they don't know who to go to and who to turn to. So we want to be uh, an outlet that you can turn to, uh, that we will pray for you, we will talk with you, we will get you connected with other people. Um, I know people all throughout the states who I have been able to meet through the writing of my book. I was able to connect with a lot of people. And so if you're listening to this and you feel absolutely all alone, know that you're not. Know that there's other people out there who are thinking the exact same things you're thinking, who are questioning just like you're questioning, and that that's perfectly acceptable to do that and that you need to continue to, to pursue that. Yeah, and Kevin's here for you. I'm here for you. We have an email link down in the uh, description. You can send us an email with any questions that you have, any comments that you have. Whether it's good, even if it's hate mail, that's okay too. Um, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to bring your questions to this format so that we can all explore our faith together as we ever attempt to pursue that grace that God has given us. Thank you all for listening very, very much, and we will see you next time.